The scripture this morning is from Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is the word of God. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad Mike's a tall person. I forgot to put the microphone back down, so it makes me feel less bad. Uh, okay. If you set out to seek freedom, then learn above all things to govern your soul and your senses for fear that your passions and longings may lead you away from the path you should follow. Chaste be your mind and your body, and both in subjection, obediently, steadfastly, seeking the aim set before them. Only through discipline may a man learn to be free. Daring to do what is right, not what fancy may tell you, valiantly grasping occasions, not cravenly doubting, freedom comes only through deeds, not through thoughts taking wing. Faint not nor fear, but go out to the storm and in the action, trusting in God whose commandment you faithfully follow. Freedom, exultant, will welcome your spirit with joy. A change has come indeed. Your hands, so strong and active, are bound. In helplessness, you now see your action is ended. You sigh in relief, your cause committing to stronger hands. So now you may rest contented. Only for one blissful moment could you draw near to touch freedom. Then, that it might be perfected in glory, you gave it to God. Come now, thou greatest of feasts, on the journey to freedom eternal. Cast aside all the burdensome chains. Demolish the walls of our temporal body, the walls of our souls that are blinded, so that at last we may see that which here remains hidden. Freedom. How long we have sought thee in discipline, in action, and in suffering. Dying, we now may behold thee, freedom, revealed in the Lord. Now, that's not in the Bible, but that's some pretty good stuff. I wrote that poem. I'm just kidding. I did not write it. That's, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually wrote that poem. Uh, it's really good stuff. Uh, and in them, in these words, we hear a take on freedom that, to be quite honest, might seem a little bit countercultural in what our world has become used to. Certainly our culture has become used to. Uh, The final, well, one of the final lines that just really gets me, I think it's interesting. He says this, freedom, how long we have sought thee in discipline and action and in suffering. And is is that really what freedom is? So what do you think of when you think of freedom? Well, a lot of people could think a lot of different things. Uh, lately, what comes to my mind is some organizations like Rafa House and Black Box International. If you've heard of them, they are a group of people. They work together to literally free children from slavery, from, from human trafficking. That's, that's pretty cool. When I think of freedom, I think of slaves being free. But you also might think of, like, America, right? I mean, growing up in the United States, freedom is in our DNA, I will, I will always remember when I was a kid in school, we, we learned about Patrick Henry, and, and he has this great line, this legendary phrase. He says, give me liberty or give me death. And man, that's a, what a strong line that is, right? And there's no doubt, freedom is important, okay? Freedom is absolutely important, but what is freedom really? So Braveheart is a film uh, that it, it's the story of William Wallace, and he is fighting to free Scotland uh, from the rule of the English. 
And at the end of the story, William Wallace has been captured and he's been sentenced to a public death. And it's not just like an execution, like it is, it's gonna be slow and, and painful and humiliating. And so as he's enduring this slow, gruesome death in front of this watching audience, he bellows the word freedom. And I was gonna do it. I, listen, I'm a big guy, but when my voice gets louder, it gets like squeakier and more girly. And a couple of weeks ago, I already danced on stage too. So I'm just gonna kind of settle down this week, okay? Uh, but yeah, he, he bellows freedom because freedom's important. Freedom is worth dying for. Uh, so I once heard somebody say, you're not a man if you haven't seen Braveheart. And I don't know if that's actually true or not, uh, but it does make the next movie I'm about to reference like really ironic. In Disney's Frozen, um, <laughs> listen, I have three nieces. I, I'm gonna know a little bit about Frozen, okay? It's a good movie. Uh, in Frozen, seriously, uh, one of the main characters, Elsa, parents, if you have daughters, just ask them about Elsa. You'll, you'll, they'll tell you everything you need to know, okay? Elsa, uh, she sings what has become a very popular song. Uh, in it, we hear these lyrics. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. And that, I think, has become the baseline narrative to most of us of what freedom is. I have to break through, there can't be rules, I'm free. Nobody can stop me from doing what I wanna do. And the problem is this seems to be like way at odds with what Christianity is, right? I mean, on the surface level at least. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, uh, our youth group, we went on a, a weekend retreat and I heard a girl say, I wanna be a Christian, but I don't wanna mess out on all the fun stuff. I was thinking like, are you kidding me? This retreat's a blast. I'm having a great time, okay? But, but that just goes to show like our idea of freedom and, and how it relates to Christianity, it's a little bit skewed, right? Like uh, I wanna be a Christian, but I don't wanna give things up. For many, being a Christian, uh, it means to willingly give up any and all privileges you might enjoy and, and you're just gonna commit to living a boring life of following rules. We, we make Christianity all about what you have to give up and what you can't do. And so therefore, with our idea of freedom, the two conflict, right? Uh, so here's a common idea, and it, it's not, I'm not saying it's the right idea, it's just common thinking. The common idea is this, I am free when no one is stopping me from doing what I want, as long as I'm not hurting others. And I feel like if I just went out on the streets and I said, hey, what do you think of this definition of freedom? Most people would probably be like, yeah, that's, that's what we all want, right? Yeah, that's, that's freedom, okay? Uh, listen, for many Christianity, it's the antithesis of this, right? I don't wanna miss out on what I want. In the world, words of Elsa, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. And you know, this, this pushes back against Bonhoeffer's thoughts on freedoms in his poem. I mean, he talks about discipline and action and even suffering. It, ironic point here. So Bonhoeffer, he actually wrote that when he was in prison. I thought it was kind of cool. He was imprisoned by the Nazis in jail, writing poems about freedom, you know. I just thought that was interesting and even made it more powerful. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, that's our idea of freedom and it pushes back against Christianity because we don't want rules, we don't want authority over us. We want what we want when we want it. So here's an important question that we all need to ask. Is a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, is a sorry, is a relationship with Jesus Christ a radical challenge to our freedom? Like, if I wanna follow Jesus, is that going to radically push back against my idea of freedom? And 
The answer is yes, but ultimately no. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. That's not our main text uh, for this morning, but it's got a great story in it. Uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Jesus, he is talking to some fellow Jews, uh, and it says this, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we will become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. So, these guys, they're, they're listening to Jesus and they say this, they say, well, hold on, We're, we are descendants of Abraham, okay? Like, you ever heard of him? You know, the one that God made a covenant with, you know, as many stars in the sky, that's gonna be your descendants. I'm gonna make you into a great nation. We've never been slaves. Well, okay, first of all, they were a long time ago. If you ever read Exodus, they were slaves in Egypt. But this kind of shows that they haven't lost, despite that, their cultural identity. Like, hey, we're, we're descendants of Abraham. We are, we are in Israel. We're like God's chosen people. What are you talking about slavery? And even at that time, even though they're under the thumb of Roman rule, part of what they believed about the Messiah was, hey, he's gonna come and, and he's gonna lead a revolt and he's gonna overthrow Rome and that's not gonna be a problem anymore. What are you talking about? We're not slaves. You know, that's, that's what freedom is. Having no restraints. Self-assertion. I can do what I want, I can do it when I want it, and there aren't limits. But Jesus says anyone who sinned is a slave to sin, and that may be way worse than our definition of slavery. So this freedom we've talked about, this this freedom that's very self-serving of, you know, I get to do what I want, there's no rules, and nobody can stop me from it. The problem with this definition is it's unworkable. It's an unworkable definition of freedom. And I'll tell you why. Uh, So here's a story. Um, a man in his 60s, okay? He likes, to, he likes to eat whatever he wants, okay? He loves eating pizza and ice cream and Twinkies, you name it. He wants to eat what he wants because he loves food. And he goes to the doctor, and the doctor basically says, hey, unless you restrict your diet and change what you're eating, you're gonna have a heart attack and die. You know, just with the no sugar coating, the blunt honesty that we love from our doctors, right? Uh, so what is freedom for this guy in this context now? Well, I mean, he wants to live, right? He wants to enjoy life. You know, he doesn't want to die. I think that's, that pretty much falls in line with our, our bad definition of freedom. I mean, who doesn't want to live and enjoy life? But he also wants to eat what he wants. There's another freedom that he really wants too. And so all of a sudden, his desires, they, they conflict. And that's, that's the problem with this definition of freedom, of I'm gonna do whatever I want and you can't stop me, is that at some point down the road, you're gonna actually have to choose from different desires. And the question becomes this, of of all these desires, which ones are liberating and which ones are enslaving? It sounds so weird, but freedom is not the absence of constraints, actually. Uh, It's it's about finding liberating desires, finding what sets you free. Uh, Tim Keller says this. He says, there's not just freedom, but many freedoms. And you only gain certain freedoms by choosing to give up other ones. 
And we gotta learn what those, those desires we have, what ones actually just enslave us more and more. If you've ever sinned, you're a slave to sin, Jesus says. And, and you know what? Sometimes we keep ourselves in that slavery of sin and, and we don't even really know it. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, a silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. Now, this is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That's why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. And for some of us, we just, we choose not to push back against our sin. We just choose to stay in it and we have no idea the freedom that we have access to. We unknowingly keep ourselves in this slavery because we've picked the wrong desires. The desires that don't bring liberty, but they bring slavery. And you know, sometimes we push back about, uh, against that because we, we don't want to get rid of our sin. I mean, I don't know. There's some really heavy sins in, in the realms of addiction and sexual sin and, and other, I mean, you name it. And we want to hold on to it. And we don't like the idea of somebody in authority coming along and saying we shouldn't be doing that, right? I mean, it, it, it's, at least it's ours. At least we can hold on to it. At least we can own it. David Foster Wallace says this. He says, there's no such thing as not worshiping. The only choice we get is what to worship. So basically what that means is at some point in your you know, false definition of freedom, you're gonna find yourself submitting to something, be it a person or, or, or something else, I don't know. You will find yourself submitting to something. Dusty actually says this a lot. He says, everybody worships something. And it's true. So if you're gonna submit yourself to something or someone, why not submit to the only person where your submission actually makes you more free. So, okay, that implies that there's good news, and there is good news. Uh, so our text that Mike read earlier, that's Romans chapter eight, uh, verse one and two. So go ahead and turn to that if you got your Bibles. Uh, Romans chapter eight, verses one and two. This is a great verse. It says this, Paul, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's a great verse. It's saying, listen, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation because he has saved you from the law of sin and death, okay? Now, the first word in this passage is therefore, and when you're studying the Bible, one nice little principle to use is if you see a therefore, you say, okay, well, what's the therefore, therefore, okay? Uh, so if you wanna go a little backwards into Romans chapter seven, uh, Paul is writing about sin, and he's writing about the law. And he says this, uh, starting in verse 18 of Romans chapter 7. He says, For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I, the evil that I don't want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one that does it, but it's the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do good, evil's present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? It's kind of depressing a little bit. It's also just very relatable. I mean, he says, you know, the things I know that are good, I, I no longer have the ability to do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. 
but that's not what I wanna do, that's the sin in me, and it's just this really like, man, Paul, I feel that so much, you know? Uh, listen, th- th- sometimes we just, we don't do things because, because there's like a rule against it, right? So, so he talks about the law a little bit, and, and one thing we need to know is this, like the law, it, it was never meant to be our savior, okay? A lot of people think, well, Jesus came and he destroyed the law or, or made it irrelevant, and that's not really true. Jesus came as the fulfillment of the law, um, but it's Jesus who saves us. It's not the law. We were never gonna measure up. In fact, in some ways, the law, it almost increases our sin because it says, hey, you know, don't do this. And it's like, oh man, now I, I wanna do this. So really like safe, soft example, okay? Uh, a couple years ago, I was teaching Sunday school up in the youth room. I was teaching the teenagers and we had a worksheet. I had them all have worksheets and we got our church's pens, which are little clicky pens. Had a middle school, full, room full of middle schoolers with clicky pens. I held it up, I said, yeah. I said, hey guys, while I'm teaching, don't, don't do this. I even, I even clicked it. I even showed them how to do it. I was like, hey, don't do this for the rest of the lesson. Click, 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 click. Okay, <laughs> right? So that's, again, that's not really on the same level. But Paul, he's pouring his heart out in here and he's saying, you know, there's things that I, I wanna do, but I can't and feel like I don't have the ability. And then the things that I don't wanna do, I end up doing. So uh, dopamine it's this, and science people in the room, if I get a few details wrong, I apologize, but dopamine, it's this chemical that uh, is released into your brain when we consume something. Um, there's another chemical, or I don't know if it's a chemical or whatever, but it's, it's leptin. It's this thing that's released into our bloodstream. So in a really basic sense, uh, dopamine's like this, it's like this award tr- reward trigger. It's like the anticipation. Uh, and then the leptin is like the experience of what you're consuming. So uh, what happens is when you're eating, your leptin, it gets released into your bloodstream and its job is to basically go to your organs and like tell your organs that your body's being satisfied, okay? So that's why like if you are starving and you haven't eaten all day, you cut open to this nice juicy ribeye, man, that first bite, that's the best bite. And man, amen, testify, right? But the more you eat, because you're getting more full, you start to enjoy your food less. That's, that's like kind of the point, right? Like, okay, I'm actually feeling more satisfied. This isn't as enjoyable. That's, that's your leptin, okay? Now, dopamine, uh, what it does, when, when, and sorry, I should back up a little bit. So I, I just, this is kind of a cool thing and I got excited. Uh, so dopamine, I was listening to this podcast uh, and this lady was on there and she was actually talking about how she was, she, she had an addiction to sugar that she got over which if you don't know, that's, that's a real thing, actually. Like sugar is actually, we're all like, yeah, you don't have to tell us that. We just came from a brunch, okay? Yeah, sugar is very addicting. And so what sugar does when you consume it, basically, jacks up your dopamine levels. You are, you are in bliss, right? You're like, mm, this tastes so good, this cake or this donut or you name it, this is delicious. But it also like hinders uh, your, your uh, leptin levels as well and it prevents your leptin from doing its job to the best of its ability. Uh, so you actually, it's almost like you're deceiving yourself into thinking you're not yet satisfied. That's why like, it seems like if there's a plate of cookies out, you just keep coming back and grabbing a cookie and grabbing a cookie. And this lady was talking about dopamine and leptin and how she kept jacking up her dopamine and her leptin couldn't help. So she, she couldn't feel satisfied and she just kept eating and eating and eating these bad things. And she said these words, she said, I wanted to stop, but I just couldn't. I hated what I was doing, but I couldn't stop. And that sounds a lot like slavery of sin. It sounds a lot like Romans 7. 
But, but the good news is this. Yeah, Paul, Paul says this. Who, I'm, I, what a wretch I am. Who can save me from this? And then he says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, so here's an unchanging truth. And it's very simple. Freedom is found in Jesus. So at the cross, Jesus gave up his freedom, actually. What an example, right? It's, it's been said before, the mark of a true man is giving up something that he might have kept for himself. And I'd actually say that's the mark of anybody who's following Jesus. But the thing is, that only comes through freedom. I mean, you can't willingly give something up unless you're free to make that decision. And it's only in Jesus that we find complete freedom, it says no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the thing is, Jesus has already defeated sin. So instead of us thinking, I must obey so that Jesus can save me and give me freedom, maybe we need to stop that thinking and we need to start realizing Jesus has already saved me, therefore I'm free to be obedient. I'm free to leave my life of sin. There are multiple times in the gospel where Jesus, he is healing somebody or he's interacting with somebody. And like the, the thing he does to end the interaction is he says, basically, stop sinning. <laughs> Go, leave your life of sin. Go sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. And I don't believe that Jesus would say that if he didn't really have the power to free us from our sin. Freedom in Jesus is the only complete freedom. My favorite verse is in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says this, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's what's so cool about all of this is not only does Jesus offer us freedom, that's what he wants for us. You know, God looked down on his people and he said, I don't want them to be slaves to their sins. So he sent his son to save us from our sins. So how, how do we do this? Well, how do we live in our freedom? So I just, I have a couple different things here. Um, the first thing is this, how do we live in Jesus's freedom? Uh, understand who you need to submit to. You know, we talked earlier about how everyone worships something. Everybody submits to something. And guys, Jesus is the only person that when we submit, we actually gain more freedom. Uh, the second thing is this, and I hope it's not confusing, uh, we need to stop excusing sinful behavior as unchangeable attributes. Uh, I wish I wasn't so prideful. I wish I could be more generous. I'm so greedy. Like, oh, I'm a bad friend. I'm, I'm not caring enough. Here's what's cool is, you know, if you're in Jesus and he saved you from your sin, then guess what? If, if you feel like you're too prideful, you have the freedom to start practicing humility. If you don't think you're generous enough, man, I'll tell you what, you have plenty of opportunities to start practicing that, practicing that because of the freedom Jesus gives you. If you haven't been a very caring, loving person because of the freedom in Christ, you can send the text to that friend that you think might be lonely. You know, part of, of, of our slavery that we, you know, our slavery and our sin, uh, if you read... Um, if you read the chapter 41 of Core 52, Mark Moore writes that so much of freedom and slavery has to do with identity uh, in this spiritual context, okay? So a lot of times what we do is what we are, right? So if we make a sin, especially if it's like a reoccurring sin or it's just this really, really, really bad sin, we, we make that who we are. We make that our identity. And, and Jesus is saying, no, I've, I've freed you actually from this fake identity. I mean, in John chapter eight, going back to that, he says, 
A slave doesn't remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. This isn't just some random person. No, this is the son, and he is saying, I have set you free, and he did that on the cross. Something that we just need to remember sometimes is that the sins you are committing right now, Jesus has already defeated those. Jesus has already defeated sin. Uh, a couple chapters before in Romans, in Romans 6, Paul says this, you know, we, we are those who have died to sin, so why would we remain in it any longer? Uh, uh, think about this. Pretend you committed some terrible crime, I don't know, and you get put in jail, and they lock you up in this cell. And after a while, the warden comes over, and he unlocks your cell, and he opens it up, and he says, you're free to go, go on. Um, it would be ridiculous to just be like, no, I think I'm good. I'm going to stay in here and like shut the door again and everything. That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And yet that's what we do sometimes when, when we are continuing to live in our sin. It's almost like we, we take this pride in it like, yeah, you know, we're all sinners and we're all going to do it. And yeah, that's true. I mean, nobody's perfect. We've all fallen short of God's glory. But man, Jesus did not come down and die so that we would just stay slaves to our sin. Jesus wants us to be free from that, and we can be free from that. I mean, last week, uh, Dusty, he preached this great sermon on change. It was our, it was our first, uh, I think, Core 52 sermon, and it was awesome. He talked about how the power of Jesus is what makes us change. So if you have Jesus, we really can change. So these things that you don't like about yourself, Jesus has already won on the cross. He's already defeated sin, so you really can change. So here's a really specific thing, um, a little bit more specific than the other stuff. Uh, at the end of the Core 52 chapter, Mark says this, if, if this is something you struggle with and you make sin your identity, when you go home, uh, take a piece of paper and just write down, write down your sins that you just think define you. And then when you're done, take a, a lighter or a match or something and just burn that piece of paper. Because the reality is this, we don't have to be slaves to our sin. Uh, George MacDonald, he's a great Christian thinker, from a long time ago, he said this, man is never more free than when he decides to be free and not an Adam freer. Jesus has offered us that. He has said, I've come to give you life. I've come to make you free. And in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. So we're going through our series, Your Best You. And, and for this week, Your Best You means living in the freedom Jesus offers. And that freedom really does only come from Jesus and I, I'm gonna pray in a little bit and, and the band will come up, but man, I just wanna read that last line of Bonhoeffer's poem one more time. Freedom, how long we have sought thee in discipline, action, and suffering. And dying, we now may behold thee freedom revealed in the Lord. Jesus, we know that freedom really is revealed in you. That we have all these different desires we wanna chase, but we understand that if we wanna follow you, you offer us more freedom than the world can. Lord, we understand that if we're in you, then there is no condemnation. Not because we're great, not because of anything we've done, but because you've defeated the law of sin and death. And that means, God, that we do not have to stay in our sin any longer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.